Hear now the word of the Lord from James chapter 4. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we'll go into such and such town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray. Pray with me. Father, we pray for um, the illumination of your spirit. We pray that uh, you yourself would grip our hearts with your very words as uh, they come from the mouths of your servant, our brother Patrick. Would you uh, cause us to hear with our hearts uh, those things which would transform us more and more into the image of your dear son? That we would be uh, less and less like the world. That you would be glorified. Father, do that in us this morning as Patrick comes to us and preaches. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, today's text offers us um, what James has to say to us really falls in line perfectly with, um, with this time of the year. And that's this idea of, of New Year's resolutions or, or goals that we set for ourselves when a new year comes. So um, we live in a society that is dictated a lot on, on future goals and future plans that we, that we set for ourselves. And it really is down to, to two things that a lot of people do. The first one is we make a future plan uh, where we are more successful than we currently are. And the second one is that we will be uh, more financially stable or have more money than we currently have. So I don't think any of us in here are going into uh, the new year saying, you know what, in 2020, I want to be less successful than I was in 2019. And on the second part, I don't think any of us are going into 2020 saying, you know what, I think I want to make less money 
than I made in 2019. Because that's not the way our world works. That's not the way our society works. But um, what are some of the ways that we try and build success into our lives? What does that look like? Success is, is kind of broad. So maybe it's to be uh, more successful in your job. So you're, you're going to work really, really hard. You know, no more 40-hour work weeks. You're going to go 60, 80-hour work weeks. You're just, you're just going to climb the ladder of success in your job. Maybe it's uh, a healthier lifestyle. So you've made a meal plan for yourself. I think 99% of New City Church is or has tried the keto diet at some point in their life. So you've made a, a meal plan for yourself or even, uh, you know, spiritual things in your life such as, um, you know, I, I really want to be in a place where I can read my Bible. So maybe you've started a you know, finish the Bible in a year plan, how to read the Bible in 365 days. So we, we make these plans for ourselves, and financially maybe it's, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend more, maybe go to Starbucks left or less. Um, I'm finally going to open a savings account. We do all these things. So the, the, the thing, though, is we're, we're chasing the same thing here just through two different avenues. We're chasing success. We're chasing money. But at the end, what we're really chasing here is this idea of, of security. You know, why, why, do we chase, um, why do we chase more money? Why do we chase more success? So that in the future, uh, we're going to have a little more control of our lives. So we can be a little more comfortable at the end of our lives. So we can have X amount of money or we can be um, more successful in our jobs, be healthier. At the end of the day, we're, we're chasing this security in our lives. But here's the thing, and I'm learning this every single day of my life, is that our plans never really go the way um, that we want them to go. Uh, the reality is this, is that we don't control our lives at all. We don't control our future plans at all. And we try and control and grip this sense of security in our lives, and we, we're gripping onto it so tightly that we're not letting God really be a part of our, our lives and our plans. But the thing is that it's only God that can give us this, this eternal security in our lives that we're, we're truly seeking, that we're truly going after. So in today's text, what we're going to see that James is saying is um, he, he's speaking about, you know, the, the dangers of us planning ahead and the dangers of us uh, stewarding, stewarding our money poorly and uh, letting money dictate the way we treat other people and the way we live our lives. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll, we'll dig into the scriptures. So, God, thank you for, for today, Lord, and um, I'm humbled to, to be able to come up here as um, someone who's broken before you and someone that is in, in need of so much grace and mercy every day, Lord. Um, so would you speak through me, and would you uh, give us just the eyes and ears to hear what you have to say this morning, Lord? And we thank you for everything. We love you. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, 10 years ago, um, or 11 years ago now, I had to make a big, big decision in my life. And that's when I was a senior in high school, and I had to pick what college do I want to go to. So growing up, I was a humongous Duke fan, and that was always my dream to go to Duke. But in middle school, I got a B, so that plane just went away. So in high school, um, if you guys know me, I love sports, so my college decision really was predicated on education second, but what college can offer me the best sports, the best just environment for me to have a good time. So I decided that my college choices were going to be the University of Georgia. That's my new dream. That's where I want to go. That's where I have to go. 
And then secondary, Alabama, Auburn, Clemson. Then I'll have two backups, but we won't have to worry about those. And those two were Georgia State and a school called Georgia College. So uh, applications, do all that. They start coming back in. I get into every single school that I apply to except the University of Georgia. So plan A is now gone. So that's okay, all right, I'll rearrange my plans. Auburn, Clemson, Alabama, that's the new, that's the new goal right there, that's, that's my new plan A. Uh, present that to, to people, but in high school you're kind of naive and you realize, wow, that is $50,000 a year. I can't really afford that right now with my $0 in my bank account. So plan C, all right, Georgia State or Georgia College. I never really loved you know, the idea of being 30 minutes from home in college. I wanted that whole atmosphere. So I'm going to apply to this small school that I have never heard of until December of my senior year called Georgia College. And I apply, I get in, and my new plan A is I'm going to study really hard. I'm just going to apply to Georgia as a transfer student. Well, as soon as I get out of the car, my first day of college, um, some of the first people I meet are these people that, you know, kind of help you move in your dorm. And these are guys who are believers, and they kind of disciple me throughout my freshman year of college. I become a Christian. Um, so a year passes, and I'm actually really enjoying the school, loving where I am. And I have the opportunity to apply to, to Georgia. And I do, and I realize this has always been my dream. You know, this has always been my plan A. So I apply, and I actually get into the University of Georgia. But I have to make this decision now of, you know, do, I, do I stay here or do I go? And I decided to stay, and that next year, in the back of my mind, I was always thinking, did I make a mistake? Should I have gone to the University of Georgia? Am I, am I making a mistake by staying at this smaller school that's only 6,000 people when all my other friends are at the University of Georgia? Well, a year later, I meet this girl named Erica. Uh, we start dating, we get married, and then uh, you know, we start doing student ministry together for the past uh, six or seven years of our lives. And, you know, when we got married, we decided to move our, we're doing ministry in Roswell, Alpharetta, and Johns Creek. And so we decided to move to that area, and we quickly realized that, hey, your bank account needs a comma to live in Roswell, Alpharetta, or Johns Creek. So we applied for this ministry called Apartment Life Ministries, and we, uh, it's a great ministry where you uh, throw parties for your apartment neighbors, and they, uh, they take 75% of your rent off. And in the process of that, you get to engage with your neighbors, share the gospel with your neighbors, and do all these things. So that time, we had listed Perimeter Church as our home church, and we thought they would put us you know, pretty close to Perimeter, and they did not do that. And they put us in a, it's a 10-mile radius from Perimeter. They put us at mile 10. And we were like, that, it takes us you know, 45 minutes to an hour to get to work. So we were, we were kind of sad, but where they had put us was right next to this church called New City Church. And they put us at this place where, uh, you know, 10 years ago, it wasn't even a thing. It was, it was a vision and a prayer that Ryan and Megan had. And now it's a place that, that we love and we call, we call home and we call you guys our family. And, you know, I take a step back and I look 10 years ago in my life. I never, ever, ever would have expected to be standing where I am right now. You know, I, I had my eyes set, my entire hope set on going to a school. I was laser focused on that. I, I truly just picked a major on business and said, that one sounds good. My senior year, my advisor said, are you going to take any classes for your minor? I said, I'm a minor. He said, yes, in African studies. I said, 
that was an accident. I'm not taking any of those classes. So I, I really had no plan going forward. But I look back, and I, I had these plans set for myself, right? I had plan A, I had plan B, I had plan C. I had all these things wrapped in my life that this is what I need and this is what I want. But God said, no, I have something so much better in store for you. And, and here's the, the problem that I think a lot of us face is that, you know, our future plans often have a way of controlling um, the security of our lives more than our relationship with Jesus does. So, you know, we're so focused on the future, we're so focused on the next step in our lives that a lot of times we miss what God is doing right now, right in front of us. So, uh, today's big point, um, main idea is this, is that only an eternal view of life can save us from the deceitfulness of our future plans and riches. So, say that again, only an eternal view of life can save us from the deceitfulness of our future plans and riches. So the first point is this, is that worrying about tomorrow is going to steal our joy for today. Um, so with that, you know, how do we plan our lives going forward that, that is actually in a God-honoring way? And I think we do that by having, by having an eternal perspective of what God has to offer for our lives. So uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to to James chapter 4, verses 13 through 14. And this is what James says. He says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. So James, James starts here. He's speaking uh, mainly to businessmen here. And he's saying, you guys are making all these plans, right? You're making plans for, for tomorrow. You're making plans for next year. And you're, you're talking about all these things. But here's the danger. And the dangerous part here isn't the fact that it's, um, you know, their jobs. That's not the dangerous part. Even their, what they're doing in their business dealings, that is not the dangerous part. Even the money that they're collecting isn't the dangerous part. What James is saying is the danger in what you're doing is that you think that you can control your own destiny. You are making plans in your future, and the really dangerous part is that if you look at your plans, God is nowhere in this. You guys, and he, James says, if you do that, that is arrogant, that, that is um, evil, and he, he, calls it, he calls it sin. So think about your lives. How do we do this as well? Think about the plans um, that you've set for yourself. What are your plans for today, you woke up and you made a plan to come to church. Um, did you make plans to, to go out to eat with your family or friends after church today? But here's the, here's the tricky part is that life changes really fast, right? Like something like that could happen. So even yesterday, um, there was a little bit of miscommunication in my family where my dad's car was in the body shop. And my brother was going to drive with him to, to go pick up the car, and my brother kind of miscommunicated something. So I ended up having to, to go to the body shop with my dad. And when I do sermon prep, I like having everything done by Friday, and then Saturday I kind of fix everything that I would like for it, to be, um, for it to be done. And during that time where I was going to work on this, I had to go to the body shop. So that's what kind of bothered me about it. And as I took a step back and thought, why does that bother me? Or why does that bother me? It, it was because it robbed me of my security of being 
more prepared for today. I was more worried about being prepared for, for this than taking care of some, some stuff that my family needed that day. So, you know, whether it's your long-term plan or short-term plan, things change. So think about some of your long-term plans. Um, you know, from conversations with, with a lot of you, I think a lot of people at New City Church are, are kind of unsettled in their job situation, right? It's, you know, am I really happy here? Do I want a new job here? And we start getting fixated on that. We start thinking, this is, this is the most important thing in my life right now where I need to have a new job next year or, or five years from now. And we start getting so focused on that that we start forgetting about, um, you know, what does God want for me today? So I think there, here's where some of the confusion lies of, you know, is it bad to plan for the future? If anything, I think, you know, it kind of sounds more responsible, right? It sounds like uh, that's, that's what I'm supposed to do. That's how I can take care of myself. That's how I can take care of my family. So this is how James tells us to think instead. And this is verse 15 through 17. He says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is a sin. So here, here's what James is, is proposing, that you know, we can plan, 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 plan. That in and of itself is not bad. But if we're planning without God's will at the heartbeat, at the center of what we're doing, he calls it arrogance, boasting, evil, and sin. Matthew 6.33 uh, says this, says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So I, I kind of like looking at it as, you know, we have our plans, God has his plans for, for our lives. Oftentimes, you know, our plans are over here. They're plan A for our lives, but God's plan for us is right here. And as we begin to, to seek God's kingdom and as we begin to seek God's righteousness in our own lives, that's when our plans and our futures and different things start becoming more aligned with what God wants for our lives. Now, are we going to veer off and, and mess up and think the grass is greener on the other side? Absolutely. But as long as we keep coming back to this idea of, of seeking God, seeking his kingdom, and seeking his righteousness, that's when we become uh, more like-minded as the Father. So the question is, okay, how do we do that? How do I become more like-minded with God? How do I seek his kingdom and his righteousness? And I think it's by, by having a, a daily perspective of, of God in our lives and what he's doing for us. And the thing that a daily perspective of what God has done for us, what that does is that it allows us to have an eternal view of our future. So if you have your, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to uh, Exodus 16, verses 13 uh, to 21. And it says this. In the evening, quail came up and covered the camp. And in the morning, dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was, and Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each one of you, as much as he can eat. 
You shall, take, you shall each take an omer according to the number of the persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over. And whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. And Moses said to them, let no one leave any of it over till the morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning, and it bred worms and stink. And Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning they gathered it, each as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. So it's kind of the context of what's going on here. I think we all know the story of, you know, God rescues the Israelites from their bondage and slavery from the Egyptians. And, you know, he parts the Red Sea, they cross through it, and now here we are. You know, they're, they're probably tired, they're hungry, their, their trust in God is beginning to waver a little. You know, that, that's when we start thinking, or where they start thinking, maybe we should have stayed in our slavery in Egypt. So they, they wake up one morning, and what do they see? They just see bread everywhere. They see bread, and, you know, they, uh, they start collecting it. And what do they start doing is some gather more, some gather less. And what God is saying is, I want you guys just to take enough for today. Don't take, don't take enough for tomorrow. Don't take enough for next week. Just take enough for right now. Take enough for today. And I think in our context of the world today, it probably makes more sense to take as much bread as possible. Right? It's, let's collect as much bread because why? May, you know, maybe God's going to forget about us tomorrow. Maybe, you know, maybe he's going to forget to drop the bread. You know, I see, I see Brandon over there. He took a little extra bread, so I got to take a little extra bread. You know, I have, to, I have to feed my family. I have to feed myself. But this is what God, God says no. God says don't do that. I want you to grab enough bread for today because I want you to trust me today. And tomorrow I want you to grab enough bread for tomorrow so that you will trust me then. See, see, God is calling each and every single one of us to seek him and to trust in him today. You know, this part of scripture, it's not a a one-off moment where God is um, telling us to trust him today, but we see this numerous times, right? We see this countless times, even even when Jesus is praying and teaches us how how to pray with the Lord's Prayer. What is he saying? He said, Father, give us our daily bread. He doesn't say give us our daily bread for tomorrow. He doesn't say give us our daily bread for our five-year plan. He doesn't say give us our daily bread for our 10-year plan. But what he's saying is, is trust in me today. Focus on me today. See, there, there is a, a strong correlation in God's word with, with trusting him today versus seeking him, him tomorrow. Matthew 6.34 says this, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Um, as I was preparing for this, Ryan sent me a, a little note about this topic specifically. And essentially, if everything that God said in his word in the Bible about living for today versus planning for the future was on a, was on a one sheet of paper, Essentially, seven-eighths of this would say, you know, seek me today, trust in me today. And then one-eighth of this page would say, by the way, you know, steward what I've given you well. You know, the Bible is very, very clear when it says, you know, if God wants us to trust him today, trust him today. Because tomorrow has enough worry for itself. You know, back in Exodus, God was telling his people 
to, to trust them. And, and it's the same God today that's telling us to trust him today. So I, I want to ask you, you know, what do you need to let go of? What are you gripping in your hands so tightly that you don't want God to have a part of that in your life? You know, what are you holding on to so tightly that, you know, this is mine and, and, and God can't have this? About 10 years ago, I, I found this illustration on, on YouTube, and I, I loved it, so I thought I would share it because it um, pertains so perfectly to, to what we're talking about. So in my hand, I have a rope, and I want you to pretend that this rope uh, just goes on for eternity. This rope never ends, never stops. It just goes on, and this rope illustrates our life. It illustrates each and every single one of our lives and just, you know, eternity. And the part that I'm holding here represents our time on earth. And the way that we live our lives today is, all right, from here to here, you know, that's zero to 18. I'm, I'm going to, you know, live with my parents, middle school, high school, all that stuff. 18 to 22, I'm going to go to college. And then from 22 to 65 right here, you know, this section right here, I'm going to work as much as I can here, here, here. I've got to save as much money as possible so that I can enjoy this part of my life. And when we think about it like that, it's, it's crazy, right? Why would we spend so much of this so that we could enjoy this when so often we're just neglecting all of eternity? You know, what, what we do here and how we steward our time, how we steward our money and what we're doing on earth, it matters greatly about our eternity. And what we want you guys to know today, what I want you guys to know today is that this matters so much more than just this part that, that our culture, that our world has told us, this is the part that you need to enjoy. This is the part that you need to save your life for. This is the part that you need to save everything, your life savings is for this part. What I'm trying to say is, no, this, all of this matters for this, and that's what we need to uh, think and focus on. Now this, uh, thinking about that, and as I was preparing uh, for this, it, it, it's, a, it's a hard thing for me just to kind of think and, and talk through right now. Um, you know, on, on November 19th, um, you know, I went to bed like it was, like it was any other night, and then woke up at 6 a.m. the next morning, you know, frantically calling 911. So my mom had suffered a heart attack. Um, and my mom passed away four days later, about uh, six weeks ago. And the truth of, you know, the, the stress that induced her heart attack was just the, the, the stranglehold that money and just our future plans um, just, just put on people. And... And I just saw firsthand just, it, it's true, you know, that our future plans and, and money, it, it can go any second. You know, she, she didn't plan for that to happen, but it did. And, you know, my, my parents moved in with us uh, two years ago, and, you know, we made a plan to, to give them a better place to live. You know, we, we made a plan to, to give them a more secure place uh, more secure place to live, and we, we moved. We bought a bigger house with a basement, and we've been working for the past two years of, of finishing the basement for, for my parents, and things changed. You know, the, the plans changed, and it didn't go the way that we thought it was going to go. 
And it's a, it's a sobering reality, but um, the truth is that we can't control our lives at all. You know, we can't control the narrative of, of the Bible from, from Gen- Genesis to Revelation. Um, you know, I have a, a Febreze bottle here, this uh, verse that says we are we're a mist that vanishes quickly. And as I was thinking about that, you know, it, it's true. And I bought this, and I just want you to, to notice this, is, is that, you know, we missed it. Did you miss it? Because I missed it, and I sprayed it. That's what our lives are here on earth, is just one, one thing that just vanishes so quickly. So I want to transition um, to talk about one of the easiest traps um, to distract us from our eternal perspective. And that's, that's the danger of our finances. You know, our finances are a, a huge distraction for us when we think about our eternal perspective um, on earth. So second point is this, is that our riches lead to destruction. So I want us to look at, at this uh, verse, but I want us to look at it with, with the lens of the danger of riches and how we treat other people. So James has some very strong words in this passage, and I think it, it, it'd be easy for us to dismiss this um, because he's talking about rich people here. So some of us might think, well, that's not me, so I don't have to listen. But um, James chapter 5, verse 1 through 6 says this, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted your garments are moth-eaten, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded, and their corrosion will be evidence against you, and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you, and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. So, so again, like I just said, James is referring to, to the rich people here. And uh, he, he's showing us again that you know, it, it's not money itself that is dangerous, just like it was not the, the businessmen, their money, their dealings. It wasn't bad. But here the dangerous part is, is your love for money. How does money dictate, how does money control your life here? So the truth is money, the love for money is dangerous because one, it builds greed in our heart. So I, um, I think the perfect company to, to do this for us is Apple. You know, think all the new things they've come up with, the iPhone 10 just came out, or 11. Um, it'll probably come out next year. New MacBooks every year, new Apple Watches. And as a society, what do we want? We want more of it. We want the newest iPhone. We want the newest Mac. We want the newest Apple Watch. And we're always wanting more. Uh, the second one is it builds discontentment in our lives. Money makes us feel like we always want and need more things. So even uh, I have a, I think it's a Series 2 or Series 3 watch. My wife just bought a Series 3 watch. Mine works perfectly fine, but when she got hers, I said, you know, maybe I need the new one too. But mine's perfectly fine right now. But why, why do I do that? It's because money, it, it builds this discontentment in our lives that I need more. I want more. 
Third, money allows us to judge other people um, who have more. So think about, you know, someone who's uh, making $50,000 a year and, you know, they're driving a nice car. Someone that makes $30,000 a year will just say, wow, like, look how he's spending his money here. Look what he's doing with, with the wealth that he's been given. And it allows us to judge other people and vice versa, it does the other thing. You know, if someone you see is wearing clothes that are raggedy or something, we just say, wow, like, look at that. Look at this person. Um, so money does all these weird things to us. So James illustrates that point here when he says your riches are, are rotted, they are mothy, and your gold and silver have corroded. And the dangerous part is, is that loving those riches, loving these things that we've been talking about, these are the things, these are the treasures that we have laid up in our hearts. These are the things that at the end days that we have said, this is the most important thing to me. And we all have some of those things in our hearts. But the, the problem is putting our hope, putting our trust, putting our eternity in these things will lead us to a place of no hope and just, um, you know, a, a sad place for, for our eternities. So the question is, how do we test... How do we test our hearts against this, this passage of Scripture? So I um, think you guys would agree with me that there is a lot of brokenness and there is a lot of injustice in this world. I think, you know, as Americans who live in this country, we are, we are pretty well off. You know, we're all sitting in a gym right now that is uh, air-conditioned or heated. We have a roof. Uh, we have food. We have donuts outside. We have coffee. We have running water with the water fountains. You know, we're essentially pretty well off. So there's this weird tension of, you know, what do I do with this? You know, as Carte was, was telling us about the, the global missions, I think there's a little bit of tension in our lives of, okay, what, like, what do I do with that as I'm sitting here? Yeah. You know, in the general perspective, yes, we are relatively well off, but at the same time, you know, there are people in the, even in this country or other parts of the world who are, who are dying because they don't have a roof because they don't have heating and air, because they don't have running water, because they don't have clothes. So I, I, I want to share um, this story that kind of helps drive, drive home the point. Last, last Christmas, our missional community, we had the opportunity to buy uh, Christmas for a family here at Richards. And it was a single mom family, uh, or single mom, she had a son and daughter, and the Christmas list was pretty, pretty simple. Um, and I decided to buy the kid or the son two shirts. Uh, I said, I'll volunteer for that. So I went, went over to TJ Maxx and uh, started going through the clothes. And here's what I found myself doing is, all right, that one's $15.99, $16.99. Ooh, $20.99. That's too expensive. And I found myself thinking, I don't care at all about this kid. I don't care at all about if this is a nice shirt. I don't care at all if this is you know, something that a middle school kid would actually wear. All I cared about at that point was, you know, how can I get out of this without spending more than, than $15? And I think that's, the, uh, I think that's the point that James is trying to make here is that whether we like to admit it or not, so a lot of times money is the thing that's controlling and dictating how we make and plan our futures. You know, it's not the, the $15 here that's the point, but it's the fact that I didn't want love to cost me anything that day. I didn't want to sacrifice my own standard for, the, for, for my own security of what I was supposed to do with that extra $15. I didn't want that $15 um, to help a, another image bearer of God. 
I think another, another thing that could kind of make this hard for us is this isn't a, a comparison contest. This isn't a, you know, well, Patrick gave up Netflix, and he's using that $13 that he saved to, to do something else for, for someone. Or you know, this isn't, you know, Brandon drives a $10,000 car, and I drive a $12,000 car. That means Brandon's $2,000 holier than me. That's not, that's not what this is about, and it's, it's certainly not a legalistic thing. You know, it's not a thing of, you know, I, I really do like those new shoes. I really do like that iPhone. You know, am I sinning if I buy this thing? Am I sinning if I, if I really want this? This isn't what James is getting at. But what he's getting at is it's the root of your heart and where your desires are. You know, are your desires, again, God's desires, our desires? Are we over here or our desires even financially aligned with what God wants us and has called us to live for. So, you know, at the end of James chapter 4, um, James did write, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Essentially saying, if you know what you're doing and you know it's not right, that's a sin. And for me, I, I caught myself at TJ Maxx that day. You know, I knew that, you know, my heart wasn't in the right place. I was, I was caught in sin. The Holy Spirit said, you, you don't care about this kid at all. You don't care about his family. You don't care about his dignity at all. All you care about is your security right now. And, and the Holy Spirit kind of called me out on that. So I, I want you to think through this as, as we uh, close in a second of, you know, the end of James chapter 5 where he says, you know, are you living on this earth in luxury and in self-indulgence? You know, are you fattening yourselves up for the day of slaughter. And that's going to look different for a lot of you guys. That's going to look at, um, you know, maybe it's something as simple as, you know, I have a Hulu account, but I haven't opened it in months. Or, you know, maybe you are spending a lot of, of your money on things that you don't really need. It's going to take some time for you to kind of look through that. But I, I want to um, just finish with this, is that the whole topic of money and, and generosity and all these things, it, it is uncomfortable. Um, but let me just say this, that is that God is generous with us. You know, God was generous to us to love us when we failed him multiple times. God was generous to us to send Jesus to die for us while we are still sinners. God is generous to see us as a perfect and righteous person because of what he did through Jesus on the cross. And God is generous to finish what he started in each and every single one of us to the day that Jesus returns. You know, um, you know wherever God is meeting you today, um, I don't want you to run from it, but I want you to see it as an invitation from God. You know, if you put up your future plans, if you put up your, your five or ten year plan against today's scripture, against James 4, you know, how does it hold up? If that means sitting down and reorganizing your calendar with, by yourself, with your family, with your spouse, I invite you to, to do that. You know, don't run from it. A lot of us have our plans so tightly gripped. What does it look like for you to open up your hands and say, God, you know, I, I don't know my future. I don't know what you want from me. But, but you, do whatever. You know, do whatever plans I have. You're in control. You know, if you put up your bank statement and your lifestyle against today's scripture, against James chapter 5, you know, how does it hold up? If that means sitting down and readjusting your finances, you know, the, the dangerous part of hearing things like this is in one ear, out the other. 
if you feel God calling you to, to, you know, it's time for us to readjust our finances, I call you to, to, to sit down and accept that invitation and talk to your friends, talk to your family, and, you know, how do I, how do, I do this? You know, begin trusting God today and, and, and stop worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow. You know, every single one of us, our lives can change with just one phone call today. None of us can escape the, the hardships of, of what life is and what's, what's going to come this next year. You know, I can say wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly that 2019 was, was by far the, the hardest year of my life. You know, if, if I could draw up the worst 2019 at the beginning of 2000 or at the end of 2018, it couldn't have compared to how bad this year actually went for, for my family and I. But... Um, you know, I saw firsthand, you know, just how our lives really are a mist, really is a vapor. I saw firsthand how the deceitfulness of, of money can, can control and dictate every single aspect of our lives. It's almost as if, you know, we are puppets and money is our, our puppet master. And I tell you this because, because it's important. It's important for us. It's important for you. It's important for your family. And I want you to think about your eternity as opposed to just, you know, 10 years of your life that you can live comfortably here on earth. You know, I'm at a place in my life right now where, you know, to be honest, it's, it's really hard to find joy. It's really hard to find joy in, in anything. It's really hard to find contentment in anything. And it seems like every week something else is happening. It feels like everything and everyone around me is, is falling apart and it, it's a hard place for me to be in but i just want to tell you where i still have hope in my life you know wherever i find myself today you know whether god has this one month plan left for my life or has a 50 year plan left for my life my hope is still found in 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 god in the cross in the resurrection and what jesus and what god has done for me you know i know where my eternal security lies and it's found in jesus and I want you to know that the only way to plan a future for yourself with any sort of hope is to find it in Jesus. You're not going to find it in your 401k. You're not going to find it even in your family and friends. You're not going to find it in all these different places that the world says. But the only place that you can find your eternal security and joy and hope for tomorrow is believing in Jesus, believing in the cross, and believing in the resurrection. So church, I just want to end with this, is that the most important thing that you can do for yourself, for your family, for your friends, is to begin pursuing Jesus today. Let's pray. God, we, we thank you for, for your goodness. We thank you for, for your grace, for your mercy in our lives, God. And um, it, it's, a, it's a scary and hard thing to, to let go of our plans, Lord. But I just pray that we would trust you, that we would have open hands to, to receive what you want us to, to receive, Lord. Um, so we thank you just for, for everything, Lord. We thank you for New City Church, Lord. We love you. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.